Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. All right, welcome. Our speaker today is Bill Weber, he's a longtime friend of the Sangha and actually facilitated our retreat a couple of years ago. Um, Bill Weber is a senior Vipassana practitioner and a graduate from Spirit Rocks Community Dharma Leaders Program. He has 25 years of extensive retreat practice and currently practices at home with his husband or sits with a small group of gay men. He is also a documentary filmmaker and video editor whose latest projects are To Be Takei and The Untold Tales of Armistead Maupin. Welcome, Bill. Hi. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, boy, um, uh, what a time, what a night. Um, I, I come from the Midwest, and I really have missed thunderstorms out here, but that was a hell of a one last night. And even while I was sitting here for these 30 minutes, I heard like three three big claps of thunder. And... Um, it's it's pretty unusual, but it, it also sort of feels like the whole world is a little bit off balance and this just sort of play played into it all. That the, the skies are breaking up in San Francisco or something. Um I wanted to talk today about developing and appreciating a state of wonder, a state of wonder for um this miraculous life we have for the mysteries of this life we have. Um, and I want to talk about that state of wonder in part as a little bit of an antidote to what I know we're all going through. Um, that this is a, a challenging time and, and ways that I'm not familiar with. And I'm sure you're not familiar with that. Um, that I find myself getting lost in sometimes. And so if I can come back to this, who am I, what am I, where am I, um, and have an appreciation and a sense of fascination about it, it can help counterbalance that in some way or another. So, but before I start that, I just want to acknowledge my, acknowledge where what we're all going through for a moment um, because I think it's important to hear others and to reflect ourselves about this challenging time we're living in because I think we're going through something that never in our lifetime we really experienced before. The world has changed. The world has shifted in some way or another. Um, I was reading this morning this article about what's going on. And they said the civilization has been brought low by a microscopic parasite, 10,000 times smaller than a grain of salt. This little parasite has upended everything in some way or another. 
Um, one thing it has, it, I found that it has me doing is I, I'm reminiscing more than I normally do. I mean, I'm at, I'm at an age, as I'm sure a lot of us are, that we reminisce about where we came from and what we had. But I find myself really like, oh, my God, remember when you used to be able to go to a concert and, you know, dance with people? Or remember when I used to live in New York City when, you know, um, there is a whole different energy of things going around. And I think part of that reminiscing is that, if I may quote Joni Mitchell, don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Um, there's, we, we've lost something. And what we get back, we don't know yet. And I, I just want to acknowledge that in some way. Um, it, it's led for me personally for, you know, a, a fairly high level of suffering sometimes. The isolation that I feel, that I see around me, that I hear from my friends, the sense of economic un instability that a lot of us are going through um, and that we see the world going through. Um, The, the situations in our families sometimes. I, I have a mother in a nursing home in Kansas, and luckily I visited her in, in late February, early March, about 10 days before she was locked down. And I try to talk to her on the phone as often as I can. And I was talking to her yesterday, and I was going on with my mom about, oh, I really wish I could come see you, and I really wish I could go out to dinner with friends. And I really, you know, I was going through my whole list of what I really wish. And my mom said to me, she said, don't count the things that you don't have, you know, show appreciation and connect with the things that you do have. And this is, you know, my 92 year old mother who gets out of her room for eight hours a day, a week. Um, and it sort of made me think that maybe my mom should be giving this talk this morning and not me. Um, uh, and in the midst of this pandemic, just a little bit moment about what we're all going through. In the midst of all this, we have probably the worst possible person leading our country through this. And that's very unsettling. That, that, that unsettles me probably as much as the pandemic itself in some ways. Um, and the animosity that's developing around the country towards each other, you know, towards other Americans. Um, and, you know, on top of that, we're going through climate change. I was talking with a nephew in Iowa yesterday who the state of Iowa went through a storm unlike anything they've ever known. They've lost 7 million acres of crops. Every building in, in um, De, not Des Moines, um, um, every building in this one town of 130,000 people in Des Moines, I mean, in, in Iowa, was had damage to it. I mean, and... You know, part of the climate change, I think it's what we experienced last night with this thunderstorm that came through town. Anyway, I don't have to pile on the, the, shits, the, the shit show we're all going through right now. But just to acknowledge it, oh, to let it be, and to find ways to deal with it appropriately. Um, so that's what I wanted to talk about today. 
What can be a nice way to disengage from the stress? To connect with something that can give us some relief, some space to breathe, some space to just, to just be. I want to offer something that can even engage us with our experience in a positive and an uplifting way. Uplifting might be a nice way to look at it. I know what this is doing to me personally, all this stress, all this uncertainty. It has both a physical and an emotional component to it. When I pay attention to my body, I feel tight. I feel heavy. I feel constricted. I can feel held down. There's a, there's a tiredness and a fatigue to it. And the emotional component comes up when I notice that I'm short-tempered. I, I find I'm very prone to sadness. I can find myself fearful. My, my mood swings can be dramatic. So what I want to offer today is something that might bring some relief and some space. Maybe you're feeling some of this too. To offer something positive, maybe even something uplifting. One thing the Buddha taught us was to investigate. To look closely at the way things truly are. It's the second of the seven factors of enlightenment. To look at our experiences and investigate with an open mind, a beginner's mind, a mind that maybe doesn't know, that's really open to say, oh, what, what is this? A mind that is open to all the wonder and mystery, all the wonder and the mystery that surrounds us. He encouraged us to develop a, this, a sense of fascination a keen interest into the true nature of things. A passionate and engaged curiosity. And one way I find to do that is just develop a sense of wonder and fascination with this life we're given, with this miraculous human life. This miraculous human life that is also connected to all the other life around us. Everything is this energy of life that manifests, you know, with our own energy of life, a fascination and a wonder with, with this life and with this body, with this, with this sense, with this form we're given to, to move around in, to live in. And the, and within this sense of life and energetic life, we have this Ability to be aware, to pay attention, to notice, to reflect, to comprehend, you know, what, what is this? Which is one thing I, I don't know of other forms of energetic life that have this level of awareness to say, oh, this is where I am. This is what this is. Um, I can really pay attention to this. And I can get some sort of understanding 
awareness so that also drives us crazy because we also sort of realize what we do, how we create it, what predicament we're in. But um, it also allows us and gives us the opportunity for, for freedom within that. So the sense of wonder, the sense of fascination with this life, who am I, where am I, what am I doing? Um, and I want to, I want to, I want to start small and then I want to take it really big. Um, I first discovered Buddhism probably in the early nineties. And one of the first things I did was I, I took a vacation to Thailand and I thought I'd check out a monastery there. So I went to, um, Ajahn Chah's monastery for Westerners out in the forest called Wat Pananachat. And I stayed there for about, I think only about five days, because if you stay longer, you're required to shave your head and your eyebrows. And um, I didn't, I didn't have a shaved head at the time. And um, I wasn't ready to uh, become a monk or anything yet. But it, it was a really important five days for me. And one of the first things I noticed is that they had this great meditation temple out in the forest. And up in front, right by the altar, right by the Buddha, was a big glass cage that inside of it had a human skeleton and a jar with a baby in it. It reminded me of, you know, we're in this human form. We, and we start out very, very small. And then we get the structure that's bigger. And then we die and pass away, you know. And, and it's just like right up there, right in front of you. So it's like this human body. Um, and the, the changes it goes through. Um, so it, it brought me back into the fact that we are animals. We are part of, you know, this animal world, um, that, you know, has legs and arms and mouths and stuffs food in it and, you know, um, arises and passes away and sort of, the antithesis to the Christian model is that the human form is the supreme form. I, we're just, we're just another example of this life that, that comes and goes in this human form. Um, I was on a retreat in, oh God, a long time ago now too, where, um, a teacher, Gil Fronstahl, um, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with, was talking about sort of how we live in this human form and what sort of who's in control of it, who who is running this body right now. And I often think, you know, I'm running this body. Um, I'm in charge. But he said that, you know, the human body functions about 99.9% without us having, without us doing anything. And it's, and it's probably a really good thing because the things that we do try to do, we usually screw up. So right now I'm breathing and oxygen's coming in. It's being spread throughout the body. Um, carbon monoxide's coming out, let go, blood circulating, um, the energy's being regulated, you know, okay, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little cold. Let's, let's burn some more energy. All of this is happening without me doing anything. The body is doing it. You know, the body is dysfunctioning. This. Uh, the body is on automatic and 
is doing so many things at the same time that we have, you know, no control over. Um, I mean, you know, basically. Um, uh, we're also cellular beings. Um, I'm, we're all bodies of cells. We have three, uh, we have 30 trillion cells in our body. I'm going to be talking about a lot of numbers today and I'm just doing this and, and most of them are going to be sort of for me and for probably all of us is sort of incomprehensible, but I'm just doing it to show the scope and the size of this body and, and, and where we live. So we have 30 trillion cells in our body. Um, the cells take in nutrients. They convert those nutrients into energy and they, they carry out specialized functions. Um, the, the DNA in our body, the hereditary cells, they can replicate themselves. The cells in our body have a life of about seven to 10 years. So this body that's talking to you now um, is not 67 years old. It's seven to 10 years old, um, which also means I'm on my seventh to 10th body right now, too. Um, which is sort of a nice thing to wonder about, to comprehend that we aren't this form that has some stability to it. We're constantly dying and regenerating. Um, the Every minute, 300 million cells die within us, which is sort of amazing. That means during the course of this talk or during the course of this talk and sit, um, there'll be 13,500 million cells that die within you. Um, it's sort of a nice thing to sit back and reflect on. You know, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm, 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 um, and some of the, some of the dead, dead cells get it eaten by new cells um, to both create energy and to make new cells and to make new white blood cells and stuff like that. That's all going on inside of us right now. Some other fun facts I was looking up about this body. Um, the blood vessels inside of our body, if you um, take them out and lay them out, they're 100,000 miles long. We have 100,000 miles of, of uh, blood vessels in our body. We take an average of 50,000 breaths a day. Um, it's sort of nice to reflect on that even in meditation sometimes. When you're paying attention to the breath, it's like, hmm, another one. And another one. Just all part of this 50,000 that happens every day. Again, not that I'm saying I need to breathe now. I need to breathe now. It just happens. We're automatically, and it's part of us, us being embodied. Um, our brains store about a million gigs of information. I don't know how many iPhones that would be, but, um, it's, it's sort of nice just to think 
of our brains is this a storage unit that there's all this information up there. One thing I found really fascinating is that the surface area of the lungs is about the size of a tennis court. And you think, you know, you, the lungs aren't that big. Actually, there's almost lungs back there. Um, but to be the size of a tennis court, when we were sitting today, I was reflecting on that a bit. And when the breath would come in, and when I would think, you know, it's not here, it's like here that's sitting in this oxygen. That's, that's taking in these nutrients um, and distributing them throughout the body. It's really sort of fascinating. This wondrous, fascinating thing that is our body. Um, we also think of our body as being, you know, somewhat solid. You know, it's, it has a form to it. But our body is 99.9999999% empty space which I can't comprehend. It doesn't make any sense to me. How can you be seeing something here when it's literally almost 100% empty space? Um, and the body, a body that weighs about 154 pounds is 7 billion, billion, billion atoms. That's seven followed by 27 zeros. Um, that many atoms in, inside of all of us. Um, I was thinking that during this stay at home, I gained a fair amount of weight. So I probably gained a billion, billion more atoms uh, during this epidemic. Space, energy, atoms, um, all these systems, it's, it's, it's us. I want to take just a moment and do a, a short exercise. And um, I, I invite you all just to take your hand and look at your hand for a minute. And just observe it for a second. I think try to not take the hand for granted, but try to see it as a, like an animal paw, a bear claw, a dog paw. Um, and also try to, you might even be able to see the variations in the opacity of the skin, you can see blood vessels. And see if you can even feel the blood flow. The heat. The energy. this human hand. And now move your fingers a little bit. The mechanical nature of the body, the form, 
See if you can get a sense of the musculature pulling, pushing. This wondrous, miraculous human body. Okay, now we've gone small, really small, the seven billion, 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 billion atoms that make us up. Let's talk about where we are. Um, sort of in, a, in this time and place. My first retreat in the, in the, um, here in the, in the U.S. was at Joshua Tree in the desert in California, and um, it was one of it was before Spirit Rock was built, and Jack Hornfield and other teachers were going down there and doing these wonderful ten day retreats um, out in the desert. And at the time, I was very new to practice, and, and um, which was re- when I when I reflect back on that now, which was really sort of a wonderful time because I I truly had beginner's mind. I didn't know what I was doing, um, and I was very open to whatever came my way. And that's one thing I hope that can be part of the outcome of developing this state of wonder and fascination is coming back into the state of beginner's mind of not knowing of being open to what is there. Any, so I was at this retreat at, at Joshua tree and um, Jack had given a talk one night and I was, you know, a good Dharma talk can really open you up. And I went out and I was laying on the sand out in the desert and I was looking at the sky and it, it physically became present to me that we were on this giant rock flying through space around this giant ball of fire. And that's, that's where we are. And there's something that felt very miraculous and very fascinating about that. And something that I just sort of take for granted. Oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in San Francisco, I'm walking on the ground, whatever. No, we're on this pretty, pretty incredible thing that's like flying through space. Um, and luckily there's something called gravity that keeps us all sort of down here on it from, so we don't go flying off. Um, but it was just wondrous to me. And it, there's something about the sense that it, it opened things up. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't about me or it wasn't my, my world became less self-contained and more expansive. Um, and, and, and again, it, I became fascinated with more things around me from just sort of realizing that. Um, the last time I talked to GBF, I was talking about this Qigong practice that I've been doing, um, that I sort of found through this film I was working on. And one big aspect of this particular Qigong practice is really connecting to the energy of the universe. The, the, this vast, unconceivable energy of the universe. And 
as I mentioned earlier, this pandemic sometimes has me feeling tight and small and contained. But to connect to this wider, vaster, energetic world that we live in um, can be liberating, can be um, a relief in the midst of all of this. Um, um, to quote Joni Mitchell again, um, she's one of my Dharma teachers for this talk. Um, we are stardust, billion-year-old carbon. We are golden, caught in the devil's bargain. That's, of course, about Woodstock, which I was just realizing was uh, 50 years ago this weekend, 51 years ago this weekend. Um, um, for decades, scientists have said humans are made of stardust. And now a new survey of 150,000 stars shows just how true that old cliche is. Humans in their galaxy have about 97% of the same kind of atoms. And the elements of life appear to be more prevalent towards the galaxy center. We are stardust. Literally. <laughs> um, I love that. As you can tell by my psychedelic art in the background. This is who we are. This is truly who we are. So a little bit about the universe now. Did you ever wonder about how big the universe is? Um, it's 97 billion light years in diameter. Um, it's inconceivable. I, I, it's like how, how long, how, how big is a light year? Uh, a light year is six trillion miles. So it's six trillion miles times 97 billion. <laughs> it's inconceivable. The, the mind, the mind, my mind can't, can't comprehend that. Within the universe, there are 10 billion galaxies. Um, there are a billion trillion stars. There are five to ten times more stars than there are grains of sand on all of Earth. Five to ten times more stars than there are grains of sand on the whole Earth. This is who we are, too. You know? Vastness that's incomprehensible. We're also here at a moment of time, a moment of time that has, you know, the universe is 13.8 billion years old. Our Earth is 4.5 billion years old. And man is about 200,000 years old. So we're, we're quite recent. But that all just sort of puts us in this time and place, in this vast scale that I hope can be liberating, that I hope can make some of what we, some of what I get hung up on have a different kind of perspective that maybe I don't take things so personally. Maybe um, 
It's not all about me and my issues and my problems. Maybe it's about really connecting with this body and this universe, which are both completely fascinating. Um, let's do another, I want to do another short little meditation practice. And so if everybody could just close their eyes and just sort of feel their bodies. This body where 300 million cells are dying while I talk. This breath that is spreading out over an area the size of a tennis court. And see if you can get a sense of the vastness around you. The infinite space around you. It goes out for that 135 billion light years. This is us. This is where we live. Okay, if everybody can come back. Come back, it's a funny phrase. We're already here. So I, I offered this this morning, as I said earlier, as a way to gain perspective. It's a way to help develop a sense of wonder and appreciation. can be such a more comfortable place to live than the one that is often afforded us in a time of great turmoil, change, uncertainty, to really connect with this fascination, this wonder, this body, this place. And to do so, you know, with a sense of gratitude um, of all the human emotions. Uh, gratitude is my favorite. Um, I love living there. And to 
allow that gratitude to come in around this body that, that works on its own. That is infinitely fascinating. And then to walk down the street and connect with the sky, the thunder, the clouds, the, the stars, the moon, and all that, that is incomprehensibly beyond that. So, um, that's, that's what I have to offer this morning. I hope it's of some use and some help. And I would love to um, open it up to some questions or comments or reflections or whatever around that. So thank you. Did I finish too early? Thank you so much. Um, at a college reunion, I went to a, a lecture by an astronomer wanting to talk about their new red spectrum telescope. And they were finding tons of stuff out there that we, we couldn't see. Um, and I said, it seemed to me when we were in college, we had the Milky Way. He said, right. And now this is post-Hubble and, you know, billions of universes out there. I said, are astronomers any more able to comprehend this? He said, absolutely not. And to be frank, we couldn't even do the Milky Way. The brain is limited to about a million things, like a million-person march. We can sort of seize on that as what a, a million is. But beyond that, we're hopeless. So we are sort of programmed to find life totally mysterious and incomprehensible, which I find very refreshing. Yes. <laughs> thank you for your wonderful, wonderful talk. Yeah, and, and thank you for... for- Bringing up the refreshing part of it too. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we can we can use some refreshment right now. So, so thank you. Yeah. Hello, I'd like to speak up. Can I come? Am I coming through? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Because I can't see myself. But uh, uh, thank you, Bill. Um, really enjoyed your talk. Uh, uh, I'm a big fan of wonder. I try to generate that a lot. I just came back from uh, four days up in Russian River and, um, and you know, looking at the stars and, uh, oh, and about the thunderstorm. I guess I've lived a sheltered life because I've never seen lightning travel horizontally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so I've been, I was enjoying the, the spectacle from like four, 4.30 this morning on. Yeah. But um but uh, so I found that nature uh, is a good antidote to the anxiety that uh, I've been feeling. Even even my go-to blogs like Joe My God, you know, after a while, which really uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Joe My God, but it's kind of like my go-to LGBTQ newsfeed uh, and a really nice community. Um, but even then, it's just like. I just can't get caught up in mocking or cursing Trump, you know, or the political situation. It just, you know, it's like I watch the news. Okay, that's all I need right now because it's just, you know. But, um, you know, one of the things that uh, GPF and Dharma Talks have given me is uh, I become acquainted with Mary Oliver, her poetry. So I had (laughs) a collection of her poems that I brought up to the Russian River with me. And all I can say is that um, with all the time that she spent in nature, 
I'm just so thankful she wasn't eaten by a bear, you know, somewhere along the way, uh, and was around to to share her wonderful vision of of life with us. But uh, that's all I have to say. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, yeah, to connect again with nature and the, and the wonders of nature. I mean, boy, I, you know, you could you could talk for the rest of the year about. The, the wonders of the body, the wonders of nature, the wonders of the skies. It's, it's, it's endless. It's, it's really sort of endless. Yeah. And it takes us away from the, the negativity that's around us. And that, that fucking moron running the country. So a little bit more about the wonders. So thank <laughs> you for your, your talk and for, uh, the explanation of the wonders of the body. Uh, in the early part of it, though, you talked about how terrible things were and all the suffering that we're all enduring and so forth. And for me, at least, and for most of the people I've, I've talked to more closely, including people in this group, um, what we've been through recently also has many aspects of a six-month uh, retreat. Certainly not fully silent, certainly not fully Buddhist, but a lot closer than I've ever been to it. The most I've ever been on before is a seven-day retreat. And I've, I've discovered and I've heard from most of the people who admittedly are, not, I don't know people who are suffering economic distress who are, are themselves ill, at least in relationship to COVID. Uh, and so I wondered if you might comment on that also. No, I, th- I think that's a, a great comment. Um, I think one reason you go on retreat is that you, you try to get away from, um, life as you know it. And you, and you try to, you, you, there's, there's a sense of, there's a certain type of isolation and going inward that, that is certainly a, a, a big part of retreat practice. And yes, that's, that's very much a part of what, what I think we're going through that, Life isn't as we know it. We don't go out to the bars or to restaurants. We don't go to movies. Um, you know, we don't even, you know, go visit people or whatever so much. And the, the other thing that I find for myself is that um, the identification of who I think I am has changed because a lot of my identification goes around being a social person, um, um, a, a certain type of work I do, and, and that involves working with people. Um, you know, whether I'm a son, a brother, um, an uncle, all of that has changed now. All, all those identifications have they don't exist in the same way they did before. And so it's a great opportunity to really then say, okay, who am I? Um, I am these things, but who, what am I really? Um, and, and I think that's, that's the benefit of a retreat a lot of times that you, that you had the chance to cut away a lot of, a lot of this identification and to, to pay attention to things. And so I, I, th- I think that's really true. What I do think, though, is that I know for myself, um, I am very fortunate in the fact that I continue to work, um, that my husband continues to work, that we have a lovely house, 
that we have outdoor space, that we live in San Francisco, that people wear masks, that we don't have people yelling at us, at us if we wear a mask. I mean, I, I have it really good. The suffer, one big suffering I feel right now is sort of the suffering of the planet, the suffering that I, I see and feel around me and that I read about and that, that I, that I know is out there, that the, the, the whole economic model and all the people that that are affected by that and all the suffering and the, the, the vast change that's going on in that, that my, my friends that are very isolated and are very lonely. And, and I feel that the other morning I got up and I was reading about Iowa and what happened in Iowa. And I was talking to my nephew about it and, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, how do they deal with, you know, vast devastation. And then I got a text. I'm, I'm part of Doctors Without Borders, and they're in Lebanon now trying to deal with all the crap that went on in Lebanon. And it was just like the pain of the world sometimes. I just, I just broke out in tears. It's just like, whoa, it's, it's, it's crazy right now. Um, I'm, I'm luckily working on a film right now about Leonard Cohen and the song Hallelujah. And it's such a blessing because Leonard Cohen is a, is a Zen master in many ways. And I've been listening to hours and hours of interviews about Leonard Cohen just speaking about his life. He's such a great guy. And it's such a blessing to just have that be my, my work right now. But we're working with a guy in, um, a, a composer that lives in Connecticut and they've been without power for a week for a week from, from the storm, you know, from that hurricane that we thought wasn't that big of a deal. There's the, the climate change is just like, there's, there's suffering around that. It's just, so I, I, I hear you. And there's the retreat aspect of it is, is very sweet and very rich. And I think it's something that's really great to pay attention to. But um, that's, that's more the, the, the suffering I'm feeling is this, global thing. And I don't want to come back to that again, because what I really want to hope everybody leaves with today is just to come back to the sense of um, we're in this, you know, we're in this seven to ten year old body that that gets to that gets to feel all of this. That gets to that gets to feel the suffering and, and comprehend it and to process it and to be aware of it and to and to to find a path of freedom from it, you know. And and that is just to say, I surrender to it. I surrender to it. Yeah. So thank you. And have a good retreat. <laughs> so within that idea of surrender, um, Thank you for your multi-layered talk. Um, you took me from inter the internal and then you took me external as well with that talk. And I had a, a moment when you at the beginning talked about how this time period is something kind of unprecedented or never been experienced and on a certain level. That's true. But it also immediately I kind of thought about Vietnam and to a large degree that must have been, as I understand, a time of tumult and challenge and hostility in this country and obviously in Vietnam and the destruction there. And then I also thought about how most of you are all the babies that boomed from the destruction of World War II and that legacy. And then many of you experienced the AIDS crisis and, you know, African-Americans in the past, I don't know, 30, 40 years have gone through the prison, the prison industry starting to 
round them up in a certain constructed way. Um, we just keep having all these different moments that keep happening. We had 9-11 and the Muslim communities that were affected by that. Right. And your metaphor, you're talking about the atom, I mean, the um, cells and our cells that constantly keep dying and regenerating. For me, right. kind of brought me on this larger human body level of, well, aren't all these experiences different cellular moments that are dying of dying and rebirth. Um, and so for me, that was a different way to work with it around how do we look at these major events as a cellular dissolution right. and then another cellular arising will happen um, or not until the human body, I guess is done. But you know, that's also a larger metaphor that I kind of came away with yeah. from your talk. Thanks. Thank you for that. Yeah. I think we have time for one more question. Uh, G had his hand up. Yes. Hi. Hello, Bill. It's Gil hey, Robeson uh, from, from the Cockettes. Sure, sure. I recognize you. <laughs> and I, you. It's been, what, 20 years? Well, uh, thank you for your talk. It was very, very nice. I don't have anything to add too much other than I'm here in Atlanta, trapped uh, by COVID-19. India has suspended visas. And... As one of the previous per people said, it's so much like a retreat. Um, over there in monasteries, we think of things more like action as doing things rather than the quiescence that seems to be a bigger part of Western Buddhism. And so I'm having a wonderful opportunity to do all sorts of things. That is, um, to turn out the old mental events, the mental actions and trainings that we do. And in the Tibetan tradition, as you probably know, we have all sorts of <laughs> all sorts of practices that require that kind of um, action. And uh, not only is it like a retreat, but that's also enhanced by the fact that um, so many things are online now, all over the world, Buddhist things that we can access, like this, for example. Only since they're all over the world, they're going. There's something going on 24/7, just about. Um, because, you know, when it's, you know, one o'clock in India, it's three thirty here or whatever. And, um, so I'm just having a wonderful time and trying to make the best of it. Um, it's true. Um, there are awful things going on, as was mentioned. And it's true that there's some cultures that are a little more dysfunctional than others. And it's a little more pleasant, a little more pleasant to be in. Those that are that are a little more, not so much. But nonetheless, um, it's an opportunity to train one's mind and to do what one can with what one has to work with. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that presents. Yeah. What other choice do we have? Yeah. So good to see you uh, at long last. Yeah, yeah. I hope all is well with you and yours. Yeah. No, thank you. And um, thanks for bringing it back into the positivity of this being a retreat practice again, too. I, I, I appreciate that um, both you and Lee bringing that up because it's it's a it's a wonderful way to, to sort of look at this. And then if you do bring this back into retreat practice, you know, try to do it with a sense of wonder and fascination that can really be that can lead to they can lead to wisdom and they can lead to gratitude. So thank you. Thank you, Bill. 
Appreciate it. Um, we have a few moments for uh, announcements. Uh, I do want to remind you that we exist on Donna, and Donna is generosity. And our suggested donation is 10 to 20 to meet our expenses, which include the rent for the SF Buddhist Center, the speaker honorarium, the newsletter production and mailing costs, and when it can happen, the uh, dinner at Larkin Street Youth Center. So uh, please uh, donate. Any other um, announcements? Yes. uh, GBF is offering a day-long retreat uh, October 10th from 10 to 4. Uh, J.D. Doyle is going to be our Dharma teacher, and she's quite dynamic and wonderful. And the subject is community joy and kindness. There's no charge to attend, but Donna, for the the, uh, teacher, is always appreciated. Anything else? On Wednesday evening, we have a GPF group. Uh, it's a discussion group. There's meditation from 7.30 to 8. You can come to that. Uh, and only that, if you wish, or you could stay for the discussion, which lasts from 8 to 9 p.m. That's a good group of people if you want to join us. And the link is the same link as today's link. But Jerry will send it out and post it out in Google Groups. Thank you, Bill. Um, can I just say one more quick thing? Of course. I just, I, I've been talking and not in gallery view and single view, and I just went to gallery view, and it's really lovely to see so many faces and so many, so many of you that I know and love, and, um, it's, it's really nice. I wish I would have done that before because I felt like I was talking to myself the whole time, and it's like, good lord. <laughs> so, lovely to see you guys. Great. Well, thank you all. Um, Let's go to the closing. Um, if you can join your virtual hands and feel the spirit of the Sangha, I will read these words. By the power and truth of this practice, may all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all be free from sorrow and the causes of sorrow. May all never be separated from the sacred happiness, which is without sorrow. And may all live in equanimity without too much attachment or too much aversion, believing in the equality of all that lives. Thanks, Joe. Thank you all. Enjoy. Thanks, Bill and Grisha and Jeff. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.